Welcome to Diversity Conversations, where we engage in thought-provoking dialogue to identify leadership solutions to today's most challenging conflicts. Stream live each week, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m., hosted by diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist and CEOs Eric Ellis and Tommy Lewis. Join us and add your voice to this engaging diversity conversation. Good morning, Greater Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, the United States, and the world. My name is Eric Ellis. I'm the president and CEO of Integrity Development Corporation, and I'm joined this morning by my good friend and brother, Tommy Lewis, president and CEO of Make It Plain Consulting. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Tommy. How are you, my friend? Man, everything is good. It's a beautiful, beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, the family and I are preparing to have our second round of Thanksgiving celebrations, whereby <laughs> we will have all nine of our grandchildren over today. Oh, uh, excellent. All nine. We haven't had all nine in some time. Right. So we range from six years old to 19 years old, the grandbabies. They're going to all be over. And, uh, and as I continue to say that, people continue to ask me, wait a minute, how old are you? And I say, <laughs> That's right. And I say, no, God has been good in my life consistently. But I'm very excited to be here this morning to talk with you as always, Eric. And always, uh, it, it will be a pleasure to talk to our special guest today. Right. Our special guest is Bishop Ronald Logan. Uh, he is the senior pastor. You have to give us the right title of Greater Grace, okay. but, uh, uh, you know, we're so glad we want to welcome you this morning. How are you, Bishop Lowe? Eric, I'm doing fine, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate being with you and Tommy. Hey, man, I hope I can make some kind of contribution. I, I'm like uh, I'm like Tommy's uh, friends. He doesn't look like he has all these grandkids. Right. Yeah, right. He doesn't. He's blessed. Right. He, he so uh, put blessed. himself in some kind of cocoon and, uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, he's, uh, taking himself back in time. Something like that. Bishop I Logan. think he could sell. I think he could sell it. Yes, kids sir. Kids, he can sell what he has. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> want to say th thank you. Uh, Bishop Logan, we have a community of people that join us as well. And sometimes they get a chance to sort of weigh in. And so Dr. Reggie Crane uh, with the Air Force has joined us this morning. Want to say uh, good morning, my brother. Love you. Appreciate you, man. And uh, uh, certainly ask any questions that you would of, of Bishop Logan. Uh, Bishop Logan, we start the, uh, this uh, our, our uh, series, uh, our show generally by just talking about the good news that's happened over our last week. So why don't we start with you? What what happened good to you this week that you uh, would want us to to be able to join in and celebrate with? Oh, wow. I mean, you know, every day you get up, amen, it's a brand new day. I, I always believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. And every time God gets you up out of bed, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I think what happened to me was Monica and I live in the middle part of Ohio, and we decided to take four or five days off, come down to Cincinnati. I've always, always enjoyed Cincinnati. And so to be down here in Cincinnati to take my break is just such a blessing. I have a lot of friends down here, a lot of people I know. So I'm happy to be with you and Tommy this morning. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. We're going to be talking about Thanksgiving, what it means since we all just sort of ate that turkey. Uh, now we're going to really talk about what it might mean to be thankful and what are some of the kinds of things that we can be thankful about. Because we know that in these times that we live in, Bishop Logan, where people have so much fear and trepidation and uh, dealing in many ways with PTSD as a result of this uh, COVID-19 
uh, health pandemic, but then the racial pandemic that we're seeing, people are still struggling mm -hmm. with all these court cases and verdicts. I think we have to help people. Uh, we talked about the last time, the time it was here, resilience. And and now, uh, well, uh, with uh, Ken Wilson, we talked about resilience, uh, the only option. And today we want to talk about how do we find thanksgiving or thankfulness in the midst of this. Tommy, how was your week, man? It was an excellent week. Eric, uh, twofold on the personal side, uh, was able to get some well-needed rest uh, in between, you know, the day-to-day. -day. Uh, and that was a great uh, a booster gave my staff here make it plain time to spend time with themselves or their own families and I'm always excited to be able to uh, have the kind of the authority with running my business to say people first people mm. first. we'll work with the clients and the partners but people first and I take great pride in doing that the second was some very very good news Eric over the last three, almost three and a half years, uh, I've been in negotiations with uh, one of our partners uh, on the global space. Okay. We were able to close the deal. So I'm returning back to Rome, Italy in May. Uh, and, and Bishop Logan, I, I went to the University of Rome to receive my certificate in executive coaching. So I'm going Wonderful. to work with one of my peers there. We're going to do some executive coaching in the Rome and Greece and Crete uh, area, and it's uh, we're excited. So I'm going to take the wife. We're going to grab, uh, obviously, the the work business, and then we're going to do some vacation. So it's been a great week of right. celebration, uh, locally, you know, nationally and globally. It's been a right. great week. That's awesome to hear, Tommy. Bishop Logan, Tommy and I talked about so often. If you're not careful, uh, you know, when things happen good in your life. You don't have a lot of people that want to celebrate that. And well, that's, yeah, that's yeah. part of the reason why we want to say, hey, what happened good in your life this week? Uh, you know, when when Tommy celebrates getting a, a contract in Rome, then my heart jumps. My heart. Yes. celebrates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled, not only for him, but for those that are going to be exposed to his lessons and, and what he teaches. And so yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just good to live in the world where you might have other people who can be happy for you. And yeah. It's envious of things that happen for you. Yeah. Uh, and we help each other out in our businesses and we've both grown as a result of that. Uh, this week for me, fantastic week. Uh, we were up against, uh, you know, a lot of different deadlines or with proposals. And one of the clients that we're serving uh, sort of pushed it back uh, uh, just for our benefit and said, Eric, I know you said a couple of days, but let's just push it back to January 2022. Hmm. And you can just get it to the, us then. We feel good about, you know, you and your team and what you all can you know have to offer. So I, I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is I was doing some uh, – uh, doing a, a session with Wilmington College in Southern State. Uh, so I do a webinar, uh, four of them, with uh, the, the staff, the faculty from both of those colleges. And I'll tell you that, you know, Bishop Logan, when we started down this journey, I know you'll be able to relate to this. You know, you and I are in-person people. We yeah. like to <laughs> shake people's yeah, hands. Yeah, 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 and yeah. my wife's been telling me for a decade, Eric, you got to go virtual. I told her I don't even believe in digital. I yeah. don't believe in companies won't bring these people together. Yeah, yeah. Go 19 hit. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Did everything for us. And I can tell you that it shifted our business and our business. Wonderful. Yeah. Up tremendously. Yeah. 
but we've learned how to utilize this medium to speak to people in authentic ways yeah, and to yeah, hear yeah. people's authentic voices. Yeah, and I'll yeah. tell you, when you hear people just being transparent and yeah. appreciating the opportunity to learn, you hear people saying, I appreciate having the space, the safe space to explore and own my biases. Literally, tears were coming down. And uh, I'm grateful for that because I'm like that little boy that was on the shore when all the starfish, he was throwing them back in the ocean one at a time. People say, you can't get all them you know, start, you can't save all of them. He said, but it meant something to that one. And that's, yeah, that's right. in the work that Tommy and I do. Although we work with lots of people, lots of organizations, it's one person at a time and every person matters. So I'm grateful for that. The other thing I'm very happy about is having all my kids home. I tell the story all the time that I wanted kids when I was a kid, uh, you know, and <laughs> I've got four children right now. They're all in their 20s. I told him at Thanksgiving dinner, I said, you know, when I imagined kids, I only thought about them in the little stages. I never got as far as what happens when they get when they grow up and they can start talking and thinking. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Man, you all are more beautiful than the dream that I had. Yeah. <laughs> because I hear their voices and, and, and they don't know just how much love is inside of me for every one of them in every situation that they're in, whether that's a, a blessing or whether it's struggle, I want to be right there with them. And I, I keep learning and I keep growing and I keep apologizing. I don't love that part all the time, but I'm glad that I get to do it. Yeah. And I, yeah. You know, I, I said to one of my sons, I said, sometimes if you hear me and it sounds like, you know, I'm frustrated or, or angry. I said, it's only because I really never learned how to say that I'm sad or I'm scared. I didn't grow up learning that. I said, but wow. you need to know that underneath everything is nothing but this deep love for you, uh, that there's nothing that you could do to turn, to turn that around. So hey, hey, Eric, let me, let me celebrate what you and Tommy said, because what I hear both of you saying, especially about family, I am so happy to see two young black men celebrating their children, their grandchildren. Can't wait to get together with them, having Thanksgiving, having Christmas. I grew up, I had 16 aunts and uncles, and we always got together. We had, uh, you know, most of them are gone on. My mother and father were the youngest. And so we got a chance to see my whole family, and we always got together. There's nothing like family and togetherness because now that most of my family is gone, a part of me has been buried with them. Yes. A part of my drive, a part of uh, my purpose, a part of what I got up every morning. I want to make my mama proud. I want right. to make Aunt Bertha proud. I want to make grandma, I want grandma to see me do this. And they're all gone, but they instilled in me what you two guys were talking about, and which is so important. And him, you, Tommy, going to Rome and celebrating your grandchildren, I mean, I'm just enjoying the conversation. I really don't have to say anything, but just listen to you guys and just sort of chime in and say how much I appreciate young men like yourselves that are celebrating family because as a pastor, I've been at, at this 50 years now and 32 two years of pastoring, 12 years of evangelizing, and the number of broken families that I see across the country just grieves me more and more and more. Yeah. But And I think there's always hope. When I see brokenness, I know that there's a God that knows how to repair. And I think out of tragedy, God brings some great glory and he brings great peace and great triumph. So I just think that we have to gird ourselves up and realize life is not going to be fair. Life is not going to be easy. 
But if you can just focus on the right thing, stay mm. focused on what's important, stay focused on the love of God, and stay focused on your family, you'll be surprised how we, we change society one person at a time, one family at a time, one city at a time, one state at a time. And, and you know what's amazing to me is that the, we gravitate around negative news quicker than we do positive news. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to solve that problem, but it just grieves me when, you know, the Fox News, CNN, all these, these broadcasters who are always trying to keep us in some kind of soap opera mindset uh, refuses to tell us the good news. Right. But but my good news is the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. My good news is God has been with me for since 1972, June, June the 6th. And, yeah. and it's been a journey. And somebody asked me, would I do it again? I would do it all over again, even though the first uh, third years of my life, the first 25 years, everything was geared around me being an entertainer. Right. And when God came and took it out and said, I want you for my, myself mm. to leave Barry Gordy. Yes. To leave Norman Whitfield, to leave uh, Clay McMurray, to leave Gladys Knight and the Pips and traveling with the Dells and the Delphine. And I'm dating myself because you guys probably no, may not remember some of these guys, but you know, the, Jerry Butler and the Dells and the Delphonics and the Spinners and the OJs and uh, Gladys Knight. To, to be on that circuit with those people was everything I wanted. And so when we finally uh, I was at this place called 20 Grand and David Ruffin was in the audience and, mm -hmm. and David Ruffin was one of the lead singers of The Temptation and David was real, real popular. And to have him sitting there applauding and supporting us was this mind boggling. And then the Lord steps in and says, I want you for myself. Mm -hmm. And so when I stepped away, Monica and I, we lost everything we own. Mm -hmm. And then you start learning how to appreciate life from another perspective. It's not about things at all. It's yeah. about, and when you guys talk about celebration, I, I got to thinking that a lot of times you have to learn how to celebrate all by yourself because everybody's not going to celebrate you. They're not going to celebrate what you've accomplished. Matter of fact, the opposite is true. Our human nature is geared for jealousy, is geared right. for adversity. And so right. when you're successful, you become a millionaire. And Tommy, you, you go to Rome and you come back. We're celebrating you. But because everybody's not celebrating you, you have to learn how to celebrate what God has done for you yes. and appreciate that because there's a lot of time ain't nobody going to celebrate you. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that if you learn how to celebrate God, does it really matter if anybody else celebrates you? Yes. Everything else is just gravy. If you if you celebrate me, amen. I, mm -hmm. I have been lied on, abandoned, abused. And, you, and listen, and sometimes hate, and, and anger builds up in you. Yes, mm -hmm. sir. I literally had to go to my father's grave <clears throat> and apologize, mm -hmm. amen, to my father posthumously, you know, because my father died an alcoholic, but mm -hmm. he was a good man. Right. And my ministry didn't take off until I went to his grave mm -hmm. and apologized mm -hmm. and got a straight. And when I got a straight, then my ministry took off. And that's when my evangelistic everything took off. And I remember I told a couple of young preachers, I said, never scorn your background. My mm. father might have died an alcoholic, but I remember in prayer, God tapped me on the shoulder and said, I gave you your daddy's DNA so you could be successful. He got sick and was not able to achieve what I will be able to achieve in you. So you celebrate what you got from your daddy. Mm. And it's, those are the kinds of things that just blow you, blow you away. 
you, you don't don't get embarrassed about your mother, your father, your background. Mm -hmm. Oh, daddy was in prison. Oh, mama did this. Excuse me. There's 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 some bad in the best of us. Uh, yeah, it is, and, yeah. and, and there's some good in the worst of us. Same. So we've got to learn how to celebrate that. Yeah. Let us jump in because I know Bishop Logan, you on you on fire right now. You're literally no, on fire. No. I'm just listening to you and Tommy. You and Tommy have motivated me. <laughs> the whole broadcast, man. This thing's going viral right now. But here's what I want to say. I want to say something about you, and then uh, and then I want to I want to allow you to continue as well. But uh, Tommy, uh, sometimes the church uh, gets a uh, uh, sort of a bad uh, a bad reputation, a bad look, because mm -hmm. so often, uh, you know, when ministers fall. Uh, the world that's that is news. Uh, people want to show that everywhere. And uh, and then if you look at the movies and television shows, you see a caricature of pastors, uh, a mockery many in many ways of pastors. Uh, they're always on the take. Uh, they're always sleeping around with all the women in the church. And uh, uh, certainly because the church, like everywhere else, is filled with, with human beings. We're all imperfect. So that's not really news. But I, I said all that to say that one of the things that I've loved about Bishop Logan that drew me to him is his genuine love of God and his love of people. And I would say uh, his willingness to even love people that he knows are trying to sometimes do harm against him. And uh, for me, and the joy that comes out of him, Tommy, when you hear this man preach, the enthusiasm that he has for God and, and that relationship and his deep care for the community and people, man, it's something to behold. Uh, it gives me confidence. Uh, you know, when I'm in a pinch, I don't go to man to try to get better worldly answers. I'll go to pastors and bishops like Bishop Logan and see if they can get a word into God. Uh, on my behalf. Tommy, you have any question or thought that you yeah, have? I have, a, I have a ton of questions uh, because I, I'm i an introvert by my nature. I speak, <laughs> for, I speak for a living. So in times like this, Bishop, I, I like to listen and ask questions, really, because again, I speak for a living and I get tired of talking. But you shared a lot in very quickly in your historical biography. And my question is, when you were called by God to give your life, mm. your purpose, your passion, your career to him and taking you away from what you may have thought in show business, in the music industry was your purpose. Were there times that you, you questioned God, mm. you doubted his truth for you and even your own kind of foundation in yourself? And if so, how did you move past this self-doubt, this kind of somewhat bitterness toward the, you know, 50 years later, 50 plus years later, touching so many people, including yourself and your, your family? I, I don't know if I was bitter. Mm -hmm. I, I think I was greatly, greatly saddened because all my life, everything was pointing toward the fact that uh, I could entertain and I was able to go in and out of nightclubs. I was able to uh, to sing the crowds and, and, and then to see 
me actually sign uh, a contract with Motown and then sing before all these people and then God coming in. It was a, a great challenge. Yes, there were just there were times where I questioned God because Monica and I, when we first uh, uh, 1030 at night, June the 6th, uh, 1972 is a day I'll never, ever, ever forget because I was on my knees. I called on the name of the Lord and God filled me with the power of the Holy Ghost. Everybody thought I had lost my ever loving mind. Right. But when you hear God's voice and God's voice is really real to you, here it is 50 years later. I still remember the moment in time when God opened his mouth and said, I want you for me. I want you for myself. And he's been with me. I lost my furniture, my house, my car, my reputation. On my way going to church on Sunday mornings, um, people would ride by and spit out the car and said, I did the group wrong by leaving the group when we uh, signed with Motown. And that was uh, probably very traumatic. And I, I would go back to God and say, hey, God, what kind of God are you? Yes. Did I give up everything? And then you let me lose everything. And I never had a suit to, to wear to church. We, my boss, I mean, I just look, I lost everything. And yeah. so I'm trying to go to church, trying to make some sense. But what I do remember is that the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the presence of God, the power of being thankful, the power of being praised. When I lost everything, I learned what was really valuable versus what's not valuable. Mm. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to the place where I have absolutely nothing. Like Monica and I, we lived in one room. She was pregnant. We had a six-year-old daughter, and I lost everything, and there we are. But if I had to go back to those days when it was me and Monica and, and my, my babies and Jesus, those were some of the most precious moments that you could ever, ever have. And so when you talk about your family, I'm telling you, uh, one of the things that I struggle with is that when you lose everything, you have to guard against being stingy and being hoarding and holding on when God wants you to give. Because when you don't have anything and you grew up, Monica, Monica, I grew up where uh, I had holes in my pants. I had, uh, I had a couple pair of shoes. I would lose my shoestring and I would have one shoe with shoestrings and one without shoestring. And I'm walking up to elementary school embarrassed every day. And I promised the Lord, I promised my mama. I said, look, when I grow up, I'm going to have three or four jobs. You ain't got to worry about nothing. And the first thing God did when I came to him is took everything away from me. Mm. My car was repossessed. My house, I saw it level to the ground. I had to go to live with Monica's grandmother in one room. Mm. But those were some defining moments. Yes. Those are the moments that you say to yourself, what, what's, what's real and what's not real? What's important and what's not important? Right. Because I brought nothing into the world. Right. I don't take nothing out. Right. And, and nice clothes and, and a portfolio and all those things are wonderful. Amen. But it doesn't define you. It, it really, I, I, I'm saddened because so many people can't handle success. Yeah. I, I'm trying to work on, a, on a, a sermon entitled The Curse of Beauty because I think we look at the outward appearance and we define success by what we see. God looks at the heart. Mm. Mm. So I want to I wanna just, I, sometimes Bishop Logan, I'll slow the picture frame down just a little bit yeah. uh, to help people to give emphasis to something. Because we live in a world that's so Facebook oriented and so success oriented that I don't I think it's rare for people to understand the blessing of temporary uh, what might feel like failure. And what you said is that there was power and richness in those moments. 
Yeah, yeah. I know that those are the moments that I remember best about my father. My father was a PhD psychologist. He talked about every day his ship was going to come in. <laughs> he died before the ship fully Oh, I know in. about that. Yeah. Yeah. He said, my ship's going to come in. And, uh, but I'll never forget the winter that he uh, didn't have enough money to buy a, co a winter coat for my sister. And he wept about that. I'll never forget that he had to borrow my little money that I got, I made at a restaurant, scoreboard restaurant in Forest Park. My little check, I would give it to my father. But that right now today, it sustains me to know that I was critical to my family. My mother used to say, honey, don't take that boy's check. And I'd be so honored. Yeah, daddy here, whatever you need, I can help my daddy. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. There are yeah. things that are built in us through difficult times. Can you say just a little bit more about the mindset when you were there, because we imagine that a lot of people listening to us this morning might see themselves in difficult places and, and, and can then look at others' lives, fake lives, and get envious of that. How do we accept the blessing of the down moments? But I, I think when you were talking about your father and storms, I, I tell the saints, never curse your storms. Mm. Mm. Never curse your storm because the storms is what really makes you. It's not the good times. No, 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 no. What really makes you is surviving those storms and those struggles. Monica and I wanted to listen. The reason why I really, really am so loyal to Jesus Christ, loyal to my wife, is because those two people were with me. I had absolutely nothing. And I remember those times. And I, I remember that when we had absolutely nothing, why can't I remember the good times? Well, I remember the bad times because it drove me to my knees. I remember the bad times because I learned how to praise God in my storm. And some of my greatest anointing, some of the greatest uh, presence of God that I've ever felt is when Monica and I were broke. And I remember, matter of fact, I told the story to a friend last night. Uh, 1978, I, I was broke. I had nothing. I'm six, seven years. I've left Motown. I had nothing. I said, when are you going to turn my life around, God? Because you said, and look, I had I had a degree. I, I had some college. But yeah. when God closes those doors, you, you can't do a thing about it. Right. And so I asked him, when are you going to turn this stuff around? And I remember coming home from church that early that morning, Monica says, honey, it's been two or three days. We don't have nothing to eat. We got no. All we had was ice water in the refrigerator. And the lights were about ready to be turned off. I went to church and prayed. I didn't come home crying. I was upset, frustrated with God. So anybody out there frustrated with God, join the club. I got, I'm got. i a card-carrying member of being frustrated with God. And, and so on my way home, I was saying, God, I ain't got nothing to eat. I'm serving you. I'm doing everything. I'm knocked on every door. I get up every morning. When are you going to change my circumstances? And there were two bags of groceries on, on the doorstep. Come on. Now I'm behind in my rent. I owe my light. I ain't got no food. I bend over to pick up those groceries. And as I bend up, the voice of the Lord said, from this moment forward, you will never have to worry about eating or food again. And that's been 1978. Here it is, 2021. I don't care. Whatever's happened, we've always or we've never been without food. Never. God keeps his promise. But that that I think that's what makes me really appreciate God. God lets you go through those times. God will not let you be destroyed in a storm. He doesn't do that. 
David said, I was young and I was old, and this have I not seen. The righteous forsaken, nor the seed begging bread. God knows how to take care of us when we're in a bad place. That's all I'm saying. But we remember those bad places more than we do anything else. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it forces us to our knees to look up and to appreciate God. Yes. So, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I can tell you, man, I, listen, I've been frustrated with God. I've cried. Uh, but I just never wanted to quit. I never wanted to give up. You know, growing up, I was a little kid, 16 aunts and uncles. And the, the group I was in was called the Different Shades of Brown. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's why I can relate. I'm very light. Stevie was a little bit darker. Marvin was a little bit darker. And Nate was, uh, I mean, Nate was a little uh, talking brown. And Marvin was a little bit darker. So when we got on stage, we was really Different Shades of Brown. Yes, sir. And, so, and, and so growing up, yeah, I said, well, look, I got 16 aunts and uncles. Why am I looking like this? I got freckles. Why am I looking like this? I'm skinny as I can be. I'm 90-some pounds. I was 106 pounds going into the Air Force. Yes, and so sir. I had to say, why am I like this? God, why did you make me like this? Why didn't you make me with muscles? Why didn't you make me more brown skin? Why didn't you make me with more muscle? Why did you make me like this? He says, son, so I can prove how much God I am. Mm. And you have to learn how to love yourself. And so I've been on a journey trying to encourage people. You you have to learn how to love yourself. I think well, the worst thing that can happen is people get into a relationship and they don't love themselves. Then that's hard for you to love somebody else if you don't love yourself. And God has to, so I bet you 80% of my, my messages have been about self-worth, self-esteem. And I have a heal the land prayer that I get on every morning and, and I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about how important you are, how special you are to God. And you got to stop uh, counting success by the number of views you get. I got 500,000 views. Look how successful. And people don't know you. They just hitting and going. Listen, look, you know, we, we used to have a saying when we were traveling, we used to tell people you're only as good as your last performance. Mm-hmm. If you fell on your face the last show, people put thumbs down. And so they, they'll count you out real quick. But what I've learned is how to overcome bad performances. Mm-hmm. I learned how to how to overcome falling on your face. Mm-hmm. I found out that when you get up, God is still with you. And the day is the first day of the rest of your life. And, and really, those failures is your story. That's your story. Mm-hmm. you got to tell your story so mm-hmm. somebody else can, can overcome. Right. Let me go back a, a bit. I love that. You, I mean, just powerful. Every word that comes out of your mouth is a word that has life on it and faith in it. Uh, but I want to go back. You, you talked about sometimes when we're in places of uncertainty. Uh, my wife had told me this week uh, that she, uh, she didn't say it quite like this, but she likes it when I'm going after something that I don't feel fully capable or confident that I can do. <coughs> oh, wow. Wow. She says, because when I see you there, that's when I see you go to God more. Perfect. And what I find is that too often, Bishop Logan, when we're in spaces that we're, that we're doing something we're good at, when our confidence, our human confidence is at its highest, Sometimes I think our faith may be at its lowest. And I think we have to. uh, So so you talked about that. And so I say that and I'm always trying to think about how do we broaden this to our audience? Don't be uh, afraid of those places of uncertainty. 
because it causes you, it forces you to have to lean in on a power that's greater than the one that you have. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to say any more words on that. And then Tommy, no, I, I just, I, I think you said it all. I, I don't know if I can really, that is so, so important. I tell the young preachers and I tell anybody, if you have a calling on your life, God never calls you to a place where you have the ability to do it. God always calls you to a place where you have to depend upon him. And so when you get there, you cannot brag and boast. That's probably where my heart breaks. Uh, uh, and we, I was going to talk to you about, about preachers. You know, uh, I, I, I preached a sermon a couple of weeks ago on depression. And I found out in my research uh, that David was depressed. Moses was depressed. Elijah was depressed. Naomi was depressed. Job was depressed. Jonah was depressed. And I looked it up in the Christian International Bipolar Foundation who studied it out and said, you look at what they said about themselves. You know, Elijah wanted to just give up and die. Mm -hmm. That's deep depression. He wanted to let go. After all the Mount Carmel experience, after God had blessed him so, he turned right around and guess what he wanted to do? He wanted to quit. I, I tell you, it, it's, a, it's amazing to me how we want to quickly give up and we can't do that. And I'm getting low on my battery. I, there we go. Yeah, because I'm on my cell phone rather than my iPad. Right. No, but 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 I think the, the whole idea of wanting to give up in depression, I, I wanted to say that I, I, I it breaks my heart when we look at ministers and we see their failures and we want to walk away from the church and said, if he can't do it, let me walk away. Well, yeah. Then I would ask the question, the Bible, and guess what happened? He couldn't find nobody, so his own None of us have the power to really do what God wants us to do without him. Right. Mr. Logan, you're coming in and, and I'm out. I'm trying to get my phone here just right. 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 I keep going right. in and out. Can Do y'all see me going in and out? Okay. What yeah. about now? Yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got myself plugged in now. But I, but but no, no, I, I think you said it best. I don't know what I can add, but I think when you're at your lowest, when you're going through storms, please don't curse your storm because God's not going to destroy you in a storm. He's not going to kill you in a storm. Every storm is made, tailor-made just for you. I don't want another storm. I don't want to be broke again. I don't want people to abandon me. I don't want people to lie on me no more. But I know that this is going to happen. Mm. So for me to deceive myself, to think it's not going to happen, makes me angry with myself because I'm only getting, see, I tell people, don't get mad at people, get mad at the spirit they carry. Because, mm, yes. because all of us have, have that's why David said, create me a clean heart, renew the right spirit, uphold me, restore me. David kept saying that over and over because you're not yourself sometimes when you go through uh, uh, problems. You need to be restored. I need to re be restored. So don't get mad. Don't curse your enemy. It's the spirit. Pray for the, the spirit that they carry. Love everybody. That's my mantra. Tommy? Love everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Bishop Logan, you spoke to me. so many different Martin things. Martin Luther King. Yes, sir. 
a lot of people, I wish that Dr. Woods was on because when I was growing up, Martin Luther King was not even welcome in church. Right. Right. Folks said he was too young. He didn't know enough. How can he lead the, that generation, <laughs> I, older generation? Well, I, I don't know, Tommy. I, I don't know if you guys were. We were alive when Martin Luther King was in the zenith of what he was doing, and it surprised me that churches didn't want him in the, in, in the pulpit. And then right. when he dies, he's a celebrated hero. Right. Right. And, and that that's one of the things. Sometimes. You're not gonna get in this, this, yeah. I'll tell you what, you may have to go out, Bishop Logan, and come back in on the link because you're breaking up and we're missing you. Yeah. Yeah, why don't you go out and just come right but, back but, in? But still, we're still looking at. Right, okay. No, that's a great, great conversation again. And thank you for the community uh, who continuously chime in and share your thoughts. You know, there are some questions I had, Eric, that I'm, I'm hoping that we can have Bishop Logan back. But as as he talked about, uh, you know, giving up that, you know, we have us and other people, we, we give up or we have stages of giving up. I'm very curious right now with the state of this world, more particularly the state of this country, with its divisiveness, however one may see it be it race, politics, maybe even religion, faith, and spiritual beliefs. There may be a wedge that's placed on simple humanity. Right. 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 That, in other words, Eric, I have seen and heard some people say that they believe in Jesus and then say that they don't believe in something that has to do with humanity. Right. 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 And that's, that's confusing to me. Right. Now, historically, it's not confusing because I know that cultures have used religion to create wedges or to right. separate people or divide people, right? That's right. right. But I'm very curious now in the last two years. Let's just um, bring him up and let him hear this. Right. Yeah. All right, Bishop Logan. Yes, I got back on. How am I doing now? Am I? Yeah, yes. excellent. Okay. Tommy's finishing up a thought, and then he's probably got a question that he wants to pose to you. Okay. So finishing up a thought around your comments around uh, people giving up. And I was mentioning that, uh, you know, a lot of people in this community, in this culture, we, we've given up on so much. We've given up on holistic culture or holistic community. We've given up on humanity. Can you talk a little bit about how you, possibly the church, over the last two years with this global pandemic, how have you reconnected to reassure people not to give up? Mm. Even when there's people that you know are directly hating, they don't like someone because of race, they don't like someone because of political views, they, they may have taken the excuse that we cannot come into the church, so therefore I'm giving up on religion. Wow. How do we respond to that? Oh, wow, that, that's a huge, huge, huge question because I think the pandemic has come and it has forced the church on its knees. 
uh, the church, uh, um, and I say this gingerly, the church has, um, uh, before the pandemic, I think the first, the last 10 years, the church people come when they wanted to, prayed when they wanted to, served the way they wanted to, until everything was closed down where they couldn't go to uh, the bars, they couldn't go to the uh, uh, athletic uh, events, they couldn't go to the movies, they couldn't go to the restaurant. I think God shut everything down. Since you don't want to come to church, since you, you want your own life, that's okay. So God shuts everything down. And now he forces us on our knees. Now we're moving through the pandemic and things are starting to open back up. So I think that the way you re-engage, I'm doing, I, I, I was out for a year, had no service. We came back in and starting in April, uh, Easter. But I, I started a new program called Regather, Recommit, and Relaunch. The recommit is rededicating and the relaunching. So I, I felt that let's start all over again. God stopped everything. Let's start from ground zero. So all the people of God, come on, let's um, recommit ourselves. Let's start. So I go back to the basics. So I started this Facebook that I didn't like called Heal the Land. And I did it for, for two and a half years now. And now I have people in six different states that join me in the morning. And the main thing I teach on is love and how important you are and that you can make it and you will make it. And that to me, I, I, it breaks my heart when people leave God and leave the church because they see somebody in the church or they see a leader in the church fall and fail. And I tell people, then what that should do, it should make you go back and say, who am I really serving in the first place? Was I coming to church for God or was I coming to church for people? Because some of your great lessons is how do you, is, is, I used to tell people in the bar, when I was singing in the nightclub, if, if your wife got stolen, your husband got stolen, you got high, you got messed up, you kept going back to the bar. You didn't right. start going back to, you had right. bar grease. Right. As soon as you get hurt in church, you don't want to come back to church no more. You don't want to see God no more. Excuse me, there's a problem up in here. Then the question is, you have to examine yourself and say, when people hurt you, and I know they will, right. but what it should do is force you to evaluate my relationship with God. Mm. Am I here because of him or am I here because of them? And I, and I don't underestimate uh, relationships because in the church, it is a community. The church is a family and we built on relationships and relationships will help us greatly. But relationships will also test us to see where we really are with God. Do, does my relationship with Eric, amen, is it uh, one that will make and break my relationship with God? Because I should have an independent relationship with God. Eric should be encouraging me to come to Christ more. Yes. So how, how do you do that? Uh, I just think one person at a time, one prayer at a time, because we are a broken nation. And some things we have to admit, I don't know. I, I don't know how to fix this, but I know God does. I don't know where we're going, but I know God does. I, I don't, all I know is 50 years I've trusted God and I've watched him bring me through one crisis to another. And some people say the American experience as we know it is almost at an end. I said, well, let's say the American experience as we know it is at an end. But thank God, the church of the living God and Christ is not at an end. Mm -hmm. he, the, the, the love of God is always, always active. Always sustain. Always. Let me, throw, let me throw this in here, Bishop Logan. Uh, question for you. 
and I'm going to say this in no way I want to disperse the church at all, but, but I would say to you that in general, I don't see the church in general as being an authentic place of transparency. And I would say, now when I say the church, I'm not talking about God's church. I'm talking about the physical buildings and some of the people that occupy those. Yeah. But one of the things that I've seen in you and other great leaders is there's a father in you that almost draws people to confession. In other words, I feel so safe around you that if there are things that are going on in my life, I feel like here's the place to share it. Because this man is a man of God who loves God and can love God's people in their imperfection. How do we get more of the church to be able to operate in that same spirit that you that you operate in? Because the world needs that right now. That the world doesn't need another debater, another somebody arguing with them in the same way they argue back. Uh, wow. You you ask them. You and Tommy ask some of the most. That the, these are classic questions that will forever be asked over and over again. Uh, how do you get? It's an individual thing. Yeah. You know. And one of the things that I think breaks my heart is again. I know of countless pastors and bishops who have a father's heart. Countless bishops that we don't know about, That's bishops right. and pastors That's who right. have 50 members, who have yes. 100 members, who have 30 members. They're unsung heroes. We don't know about them, but they're out there. And the I fabric of our society is stronger than what we, Satan wants to paint a deceptive picture okay. of our society. Yes, it's broke. Yes, it's messed up. But there's more good than bad going on. There's a lot of good things happening. You and Tommy coming on every Saturday like you do this. You don't know the good you're doing. You have no idea if somebody's watching, you know, and we get a chance to tell our story. We t I tell people all the time, listen, there were so many things that, that came against me. I was poor. I didn't think very much of myself. Uh, you know, I didn't. I was real skinny. I had freckles. I had 16 aunts and uncles. How come I don't look like them? And then what I tried to do is I try to mask all of that by trying to entertain. I put on a false face. And so I learned how to dance. And out of the thing I didn't want, I tried real hard to be somebody. Yeah. And I was already somebody. Mm -hmm. but, 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 but God had to break me down. But I remember practicing and practicing just because I wanted some attention, just because I wanted somebody to look at me. And so I'm on the street corner and I worked and worked. I said, I'm like James Brown. I'm the hardest working man in show business. I said, right. you might be able to outsing me, but you can't outwork me. No way. And <laughs> before Michael Jackson did the moonwalk and all that, we were there. Right. Before Obama was doing the, the Kimball, we did the pimp walk. Yes, sir. All that stuff down, we were doing all that. And so when all these guys came along, now listen, and I got a chance, uh, uh, Eric, that just blow my my wife. I got a call when President Obama was uh, campaigning for a second term. They asked me to pray. He came to one of the rallies. I got a chance to pray for President Obama. Right. I got a chance to pray for uh, uh, the candidate Kerry when he was running for all the things that God had brought into my life. God said, "I did this. I did this because I loved you. I saw something in you. Not because you are perfect. I'm still not perfect." 
I still repent. I live with a mindset of repentance. I'm never, never, the, the thing that saddens me is when people get a million hits or a million seller record or they get popular and they don't know how to handle success. They're really a, a failure and don't even know it. Success is never how many books you sold. It, it, it's how many, wow, it's God touching people through you. Mm. And it starts with you. Mm. Be happy with who you are. Right. I've learned how to love me now. Right. I'm glad with me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and I think that that's what's really, really powerful. It really is. Right. In this Thanksgiving uh, week, um, we started off talking about things that we were grateful for. Um, how do we help each other to, to go there and to be able to, uh, we're going to come back to this topic because this is where we started. How do we encourage thank, Thanksgiving uh, for others? Uh, I would say from my perspective, it starts with me trying to be that way. Uh, I want to be thankful and grateful. Uh, I like complimenting people for who they are uh, and just uh, and thanking God for them and what they, you know, what they do or don't do even for me. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm thankful for my family, my situation, my, you know, but people think that sometimes you can only be thankful when times are good. Uh, say another word or two. And if you have an example or story. Uh, that would help people to understand this notion of the importance of thankfulness. So, so, several weeks ago, I was preaching uh, uh, before depression, uh, the God of the night. Mm. And many times when we pray to God and we want God to do something big for us, mm. God, I can't wait till you do this. And we are in suspense for a year. We're holding our breath because we want that blessing from God and our life slips away from us because we don't learn how to appreciate every day. You're looking for the big thing when every day God gives you is a big thing. And you want God to move a mountain. You want God to send you a big check. You want God, well, wait a minute, excuse me. You are missing out on life waiting on that big thing to happen when every day something wonderful is happening for you. And so supposing God decides he's not going to give you that big car you've been waiting for, that big job you've been waiting for. I can't wait till I get my college degree. All those desires are good, but don't get so wrapped up on waiting on that big thing to happen that you miss every moment of life. You can't afford to do that because a lot of those things, you know, it, it's, I think it's an insult to God. Say, God, how come you ain't done this? And Lord, you ain't blessed me here. But excuse me, God woke you up this morning. Excuse me, God has allowed you to breathe. Excuse me, you can eat and digest your food. Mm -hmm. And then I tell the saints, come on, visit with me. Go to the hospital. I'm there when people take their last breath. Yes. I'm there when people die. I'm holding their hands. And so you've mm -hmm. got to stop waiting on the big thing that you really want more than anything because I think it hurts God's feelings. It hurts God's feelings because he's blessing you right now. Look, what, it, what is that like? You said something that most of us never have an experience and certainly multiple experience with being there when people take their last breath. What's the learning that you've taken from that? I know people would be interested to oh, hear. Oh, man, I tell you, I listen, now more than ever, I appreciate when the family will tell me uh, when they're in hospice and I'll go up and I'm talking with them and they're smiling I've, I've had the opportunity of being in the room when uh, many people who walk with God, 
they are, their faith has reached the ceiling. To hear them talk, it diminishes me. I feel so, I said, God, let me have their kind of faith. They're, they're riddled with cancer. They're on their last hour. I'm sitting there and they say, Pastor, you know, I, I, I'm okay. It's okay with me. I can feel the presence of God. I know I'm going to go with God. Well, I hear more of that than I do. I'm afraid. Oh, I want to live. I, I, I don't hear that. I hear more people in their faith moment when they're about ready to die. And I thought I was going to experience the opposite. Mm. And uh, eight out of 10 people that I'm with when they die, at least eight of them are full of faith and they're ready to see Jesus Christ. And then I have a two or three that are scared to death and I have to walk them through the salvation plan again. I have to pray for them and say, God is faithful. And I don't care what you're about ready to experience, God is with you right now. He never leaves you, he never forsakes you. And so I guess it breaks my heart when people are so busy wanting a big house or wanting something big career when wow thank god for what you have now appreciate yes. the nowness god is a now god he's a present help learn to smile now learn to be happy now because you may never get that you may never get that but if you can learn how to be happy listen i come down to cincinnati cincinnati bring a lot of memories for me and for me to be alive it's almost 75 years go around the block all these times, and I can come back down to the Ohio River, and before the day's over, I'm gonna go to the, to the Black Museum in yeah. Cincinnati. I've been really wanting to go there uh, right. because I love Black history, uh, the Tuskegee Airmen. I was in the Air Force, I bought airplanes, I, uh, I was an air police, I was over in China, I was yeah. in the Philippines, I was in Japan. I guarded those Titan, Titan missiles at the Vandenberg Air Force Base. And so when I got out of the Air Force, I got hired by the Air Force to purchase air, air, airplanes and airplane parts, the F-15, the F-16. So if I died this very second, I can say I had the fullest life. I yes. had the best life in the world. So I, I, don't have, I don't have no regrets. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to improve on appreciating every moment I get. Well, you have said something. Tommy, go ahead, man. I know you've been uh, sitting there uh, patiently, wonderfully. Uh, no, I've been I've been listening. I've been listening to both uh, Bishop Logan and you, Eric, as always. And as as we think about uh, you know ourselves, and some of us don't like to always talk about ourselves because we are living testimony of God's blessing. That's right. And we we allow God to speak through us. So it's not always about us. And I get wow. that. I wow. Wow. I yes. want to ask you, Bishop Logan, uh, more of a, uh, maybe a bit of a personal question. What what makes you laugh? At the end of the day or at the <laughs> beginning of the day, what what brings you joy? Right. And 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 always in framing that in your experience with people. Uh, I would imagine people in and of themselves are funny. People are so interesting. But what makes you laugh? Wow, you know, that that's one of those questions. I never know when I'm going to laugh, but I try to laugh as as, as much as I possibly can. I, I really can. Uh, I love a good jokes. I love I love a lot of that. And I tell you, you know, rem, reminiscing. I, I don't want to sound uh, as a church say carnal, but when I think about how skinny I was. 
and dancing and stuff and tripping and falling. I learned to laugh at myself and I get tickled sometimes at, at uh, some of the mistakes I made and I've laughed at myself. I really, really have. And, and uh, I really I really enjoy laughing at myself. I enjoy uh, being alone, laughing. And I, uh, I, I remember the doo-wops and what makes me laugh. And I, I hope people don't think that uh, I've lost my religion uh, oh. but, but but when I was on the stage with the OJs and and the and traveling with those guys and running on stage and slipping and falling before I get up to the stage and somebody have to pick me up and get me up, I think back back in those days it really really makes me laugh and I and I love uh, Cedric the Entertainer, uh, you know all those kind of people. I love good black comedic uh, uh, comedians. But I think the, the funniest thing. Uh, I don't want to date myself, but I go way back to Red Fox all the way, you know, where we are today. Uh, I love good jokes. I love laughing at myself. Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. Well, uh, Bishop Logan, I want to say this, and uh, then we'll give you uh, one last. Uh, I just think I, I can't even shake your discussion about being in the moments when people are leaving and how precious those moments are. And I'm, I guess... Part of what I'm coming back to is a reminder of those of us that this moment is not our last. Wow. That maybe we can capture a bit of that in the moments that we're living in right now to be a blessing to, uh, to ourselves and to each other. And so, so, I'm, so I'm grateful for that. I am so grateful to have you in the world as a father. Because so many people are so busy trying to be big themselves, that they don't recognize our deep need for uh, men and women of faith who can be our fathers and our mothers when our fathers and mothers are gone. Yes. And so I'm just so grateful to you around who you are and the humility that you walk with and the transparency that you share. Uh, I just, I appreciate that. It speaks wow. to my wife and I. You know, uh, I would tell people that in my family, if every Ella says that a song is good, then chances are that song is going to be pretty good. You know, but if some say it's good, <laughs> so yeah. everybody in my household has said that Bishop Logan is good. He's a good man. And it, it's hard. It's hard, Eric, to uh, to receive. Uh, certain kinds of compliments, uh, and I'm learning how to receive it uh, because I've seen so many people. I remember when the lady from Detroit drove down and we signed the contract uh, in our home and the group was there, the family was there, and we they were taking pictures. And when they left, I remember uh, I, had to, I had to tell her, we, I said, listen, we're going to have to buy different hat sizes. We were wearing a size seven, but the lady left, and now you guys wear a size nine head, and you got a size 11. I said, I, listen, we haven't done anything, guys. We haven't done anything. I, for, for somebody to call me and Monica uh, mother and father over them is the sh most shocking thing in the world because I've looked up to so many people. I am standing on the shoulders of Bishop Pratt, Bishop Watkins, Bishop Ellis, uh, uh, Bishop Abney, Bishop Brazier. I know you guys don't know. Those are my fathers in the gospel. I'm standing on the shoulder of my father named Morris Logan, who died on the couch. He was an alcoholic. 
but he's one of the nicest men I've ever met. He's my role model, but he died and I loved him to pieces. And not to mention my mother, Miss Evelyn Logan, who would sit at the table and she would take food from her plate and scrape it on our plate. Mm. And so I can't wait to see my mother and father who I admire. So if I become anything, it isn't, there's no way in the world I can take credit, Tommy, because I know without a shadow of a doubt, these people poured into me and my assignment in life is to pour into other people. Yeah. And over the next couple of years, I'm trying to step back so I can do more of this and gather with more people and say, look, hey guys, I got 50 some years of this. I can tell you a story. I can tell you that out of your failures, out of your ashes, God can raise you back up. But Whoops. Yes, yes, indeed. Lost you. Yes, hey, indeed. thank you guys for letting me be on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right, this right. is a pleasure. Right. Let me say this, and then, Tommy, I'm going to have you close us out. Bishop Logan, I want to remind people of what you said about uh, forgiving your father. You yeah. said it wasn't until I went to the grave and I forgave my father. Yes. And I, I thanked him and blessed him for all the good that he was. I want to use that to speak to our audience in this way. And I want to say, community, there might be people in your life that you've uh, been bitter towards, uh, that you've held a grudge against. Uh, there may be people in your life that you think that they're the reason why you haven't been as successful as you'd like to be. I'm going to suggest that you take Bishop Logan's lead and just forgive them and ask for forgiveness, whether they're here or not. We got to let those things go if we're ever going to really have all of the energy we need to propel ourselves into our purpose. So I want to just sort of recall that uh, Bishop Logan, because I was just so moved by that. And I think that people are so quick right now in these times, they don't even realize that PTSD or COVID and everything else is affecting them. And they're literally taking bitterness and anger and frustration out on others. I think that the lesson that we want to walk away is to give and seek the forgiveness of others. Tommy, you got the last word. The last word is in this season of thanks. Uh, we would like to thank Bishop Logan and First Lady Logan for sharing their time. There's a lot of things that we may lose and regain, but one of which is not time. And so the hour that Bishop Logan has committed and invested in, in us and sharing this diversity conversation, if you will, is invaluable. So we want uh, to do that. Bishop very Logan, much. I'm sorry, you, you have the final word. You're our guest. Yes, uh, oh, no, no, not, this, this is Tommy. I, I've, I've said enough, uh, Tommy, uh, just hearing your story going to Rome and you talk about you are an introvert. You can sore fool me. You, <laughs> you really articulated your family, your love and who you are very, very well. And Eric, you both of you guys, I, I pray that God will continue to bless this uh, format that you're on. And please, you are touching lives. This is so needed. You'd be surprised how many people get up every week and tune you guys in just to hear a positive word. So please don't stop doing Please don't stop doing this. Yes, sir. We're grateful yes, for sir. that. Grateful for you. Thank you both. Thank we you. love you guys. Love, love you too. too. All right.